Well, good morning and a very warm welcome again to Holy Trinity Clapham. My name is Jamie Mulvaney. I'm on the team here at HTC and it's really lovely to see you. And can I say Happy Easter? Thank you very much. Or, or maybe uh, Happy April Fool's Day, if, if that's a thing. I'm not sure that's the greeting you use. Um, but you might be here this morning thinking you'd have to be a bit of a fool to believe this Easter stuff. Well, this morning, let's take a look at three people that were actually there at the resurrection. So let's take a look at John chapter 20. There are some uh, passages at the end of our rows. Um, so if you want to pass those sheets of paper along, uh, we can read there the passage. So, so this is from John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning at the first verse. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this most amazing news of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we pray that even now you would be revealing the risen Jesus to each one of us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I wonder if you can relate to uh, one of the three people that we've just read about at the resurrection. Is it Mary, I wonder? Right there in the first verse of the passage, we see that, G that Mary goes to the tomb while it is still dark. And John uses darkness as a literary device to signify confusion 
a lack of clarity. Mary doesn't know what's going on. I mean, she has seen Jesus die on the cross. She's seen his real body go dead and cold. She's seen his body being taken down from the cross and being buried into the tomb. And now she's at the tomb and Jesus isn't there and and she thinks that Jesus' body has been stolen and she's wondering, why is this happening? What is going on here? She stops at a distance. She's almost too emotionally fragile to take one step more. And I wonder if you this morning might be thinking, I'm not even sure I've got the emotional strength to take a step towards intimacy with Jesus this this morning. And if you can relate to Mary, I want to encourage you. Because before John 20 is over, Mary encounters the risen Jesus. Or maybe you can relate to John. Good old John. John was loyal. John was faithful. He was, he was the only male disciple we read about at the cross. Plenty of, of female disciples at the cross, but he was the only male disciple. And he'd stuck with Jesus. He'd been right with him. And we can tell that he wrote this passage because not once but twice he says that uh, he was the fastest, that he reached the tomb first. Um, but also that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. But now he's there and he's not quite sure what to believe and maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what you believe about this. I mean, he's been loyal, he's been faithful, but for him, is it sort of true that that old saying is, is right, that the good guys just don't win? Maybe if you're honest... Your life hasn't recently been a a catalogue of victories, but it's been one disappointment after the next. And you're holding on, but you're not sure if you can face another disappointment, face another unanswered prayer. Well, if, if you can relate to John, I want to encourage you, because before John 20 is over, John encounters the risen Jesus. Or is it Peter? And Peter is right in there. Peter is right in there because he's being spurred on by guilt and shame. You see, Peter really loved Jesus. And Jesus called Peter a rock. He said, you will be the rock upon which I'll build my church. But if, if Peter is a rock, he has crumbled. He's failed the test. He denied Jesus before the crucifixion. He couldn't walk the talk. When it mattered most, he failed the test. And if you're being spurred on by guilt, by shame, as exhausting as that may be, I want to encourage you. Because before John 20 is over, Peter encounters the risen Jesus. And no matter who we are, no matter where we've come from, no matter what's happened in our lives, we can encounter the risen Jesus today. Why? Because he's alive. Because he's risen from the grave. The cross and the resurrection. 
are not fake news. They are the best news. The best news not just for Jesus, not just for historical people, but for you and for me. The resurrection is for you. Easter is for you. The resurrection is personal. It's personal. At first, Mary doesn't recognize who Jesus is. And she's talking with him, but she only realizes it's Jesus when he says, Mary. Mary. This one word that changes everything. And we know that psychologists tell us that we love to hear our name, don't we? But Jesus is not just speaking to get her attention. He's doing something far more significant. He is speaking to her very identity, to who she is. Mary was there wildly searching about for Jesus. Yet it's Jesus who finds Mary. The founders of every major religion said, I'll show you the way to find God. But Jesus says, I am God who has come to find you. So you can stop looking, you can stop searching. Whoever you are, this morning, the eternal Jesus says to you, I see you, I know you, I call you by name, and I love you. In verse 17, Jesus calls his father, my God and your God. My God and your God. And it's amazing that Jesus shares his risen life with us, that he shares his relationship with the Father, with with you and me. But it's also amazing that, that Jesus first appears to Mary. In that day and age, women were marginalized. They were not treated as reliable witnesses, not in a court of law. Yet he appears to Mary. And if, if you feel on the fringes... If you feel far off, then Easter is most certainly for you. Jesus dignifies you and he identifies with you. And the resurrection isn't just powerful, but it's also personal. It's also, it's also it's powerful. Um, we see in verse 1, we see this power to roll the stone of the tomb away. And what was left inside the tomb? What do we see inside the tomb? We see there strips of linen and cloth that were around Jesus' head. They were the most valuable things in the tomb. They were proof that Jesus' body wasn't stolen. And then in verse 8, John goes inside the tomb and he believed that Jesus wasn't there. And why did he believe? Because he saw nobody. Nobody expected nobody. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Over the past uh, few weeks at this church, we've been looking at at why Jesus had to die. But here we also see that Jesus had to rise again. And it may be in parentheses, it may be in brackets, but it says there that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? Because it showed that the cross worked. That the resurrection was not the reversal of a defeat, but it was the manifestation of a victory. Jesus' real body was really risen from the grave, 
And so everything he says is really true, that Jesus is the real deal. That evil is defeated, that your sins are paid for, that you never have to fear anything. You never have to even fear death. Jesus takes us from death to life. This is far too significant to be in the brackets of our lives. He has power over your past. He has power over your future. But he also has power for you today. The resurrection is not just the hope for someday or one day, but for today. Jesus is present with us now in the present. And this matters because you don't have a spiritual life, you have a real life. And Jesus is really risen from the grave. You have a real life in in real time and space. And in verse 15, we see that Jesus appears to be the gardener. And he relates to us in the everyday things of our lives. In Romans 8, we read that the same power that, that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. So everything you do all day, every day, your work, your relationships, everything you do in your life now has eternal significance. It resonates through eternity. And it is done with resurrection power. How do we access this power? A little bit later in John chapter 20, he writes this. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John isn't just writing for the sake of it. He's not just writing so that you and I could reflect on this once a year. But he's writing that in order we might believe in Jesus, that we might trust in Jesus, that we might hope in Jesus, and as a result, have eternal life beginning now. The resurrection changes everything. It changes history. It also changes you. And you can be like Mary, who in verse 18 says, I have seen the Lord. Why can you say that? Because Jesus is alive. And you can meet him today by the power of his Holy Spirit that raised him from the grave. Beyond the chocolate, Easter is really about letting the reality of the risen Jesus shape and define you and everything about you. So on Easter Sunday, we do not gather together and say, Alleluia, my popularity is risen. It is risen indeed, Alleluia. And we don't gather together and say, Alleluia, my luck is risen. It is risen indeed, Alleluia. And we don't gather together on Easter Sunday and say, Alleluia, my bank balance is risen. It is risen indeed. Alleluia. Because my hope doesn't rise and fall on those things. My hope is in one thing and one person alone. In Jesus who validates all the promises of God. In the one who has conquered all my fears, all my frailties and all my failures. He is the one that nobody or no thing can take away from me. So on Easter Sunday, we gather together and we say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. 
He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you like to stand? And as the band come up, uh, if you have children with you today, uh, now is the time to go and, and collect them, please. Um, but we're going to respond now in worship. So, Father, we thank you for this amazing news of the resurrection. Thank you that Easter is for me. Thank you that it's personal for me. And it's powerful for me in the present. And Lord, would you help us to continue to see you as we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.